Hey, good morning, and welcome to Movement Christian Church Online. We're thankful that you guys could join us this Sunday morning with our worship service. Whether you're using your cell phone, maybe you've got a tablet, maybe you've got a TV set up in your living room, and you've got family or friends with you, however it is that you're experiencing your worship time right now with us, we're just thankful you're here, and we pray that this is a blessing to you. If you don't know who I am, my name is Stephen Reed. I work with a campus ministry at NC State called Campus Christian Fellowship, or CCF for short. Um, Movement Church supports CCF, and uh, and you guys support us financially. You guys uh, support us with your prayers. And usually about at least once a year, if not once a semester, you guys bring a meal to our worship nights, and, and you eat with our students, and you hang out with us, and you join us for worship time. So I figure what better way to, to give back than to, than to preach a Sunday morning worship with you guys in our ministry center. Um, so uh, several weeks ago, Bobby asked me, uh, he said, hey, we're going to be going through a series called The Names of God there in the Old Testament. And I wanted to see if you'd be able to take one of those names and preach for us. And I said, yeah, sure, I can do that for us. Um, so we settled on Jehovah Jireh. And Jehovah Jireh is a Hebrew name that means my Lord will provide or my God is a provider. Um, and it has its origin story in Genesis 22. And like every story has a beginning, so our story has a beginning as well. Uh, I'm going to take about a minute or two and talk about the history of Abraham. This story is about Abraham and Isaac, and um, uh, Abraham's the father and Isaac is his son. And in chapter 11, we're introduced to Abraham for the first time. And we find out in a genealogy that he marries this woman named Sarah, who is barren. And then in chapter 12, we, we have God coming to Abraham, and he says, I'm going to promise to you, I'm going to make a covenant with you, that you're going to be the father of a great nation. And in that conversation, we find out that Abraham is 75 years old. Then in chapter 16, about 10 years passes by, and Sarah and Abraham don't have any kids of their own yet. And Sarah comes to Abraham and says, um, hey, uh, I want you to know that right now I don't have any kids for you, and it's probably my fault because I'm barren, so... How about you take my maidservant, Hagar, and sleep with her, and she'll give you a son on my behalf. Which, again, context. It's hard to understand context because I don't know a wife today who would say, hey, why don't you sleep with my, you know, one of my friends, and she'll give us a kid. And if you have a wife who says that, I don't know any smart father or smart husband who would say, that seems like a good idea. I don't see any problems coming from that. That's just not going to happen in our context. But in their context, in biblical days, that was, that was a culturally appropriate thing to do if you didn't have any children of your own. So in 16, Hagar and, and Abraham sleep together, and they, they, they have a son named Ishmael. And Ishmael, um, whenever he's born, Abraham is 86 years old. Well, then the very next chapter in 17, God comes to Abraham and says, Hey, I want you to know that covenant that I made with you was for you and your wife, Sarah. In fact, she's going to be the mother of a great, she's going to be the mother of many nations, and great kings are going to come from her. Um, and so he reinstates that covenant with Abraham and says, You're going to have a son, and he's gonna be, his name is going to be Isaac. Um, and then in chapter 21, Isaac is born. And we find out that Abraham is 100 years old at, the, uh, at that time. So in 21, whenever Isaac is born, Abraham is 100 years old. So in 22, the story tells us that Abraham and Isaac go on this journey, and they go on this three-day trip. And so scholars, uh, scholars say that uh, Isaac was probably a teenage boy at this point in time, old enough to be able to make this kind of journey on his own, not young enough like a five-year-old or something like that, but he could have been as young as that, but probably a teenage boy. So that's some of the context of Genesis 22 that you need to know. Um, that whenever God made a promise to Abraham and then, and then Isaac is born, there's 25 years passes by. So right now we're in 22, chapter 22, and I'm going to start with verse 1. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. So at the end of 21, we find out that Abraham and his family are living in this, in this region called Beersheba. And Beersheba is in like the Canaanite land, and, and Moriah is near Jerusalem. Um, 
So they go from, from Beersheba to Moriah. That, that's the journey they have to take. It's about a 40-mile trip. And at the beginning of verse 1, it says that God tested Abraham's faith. And I don't think any of us would debate that. I mean, this is definitely a story where God is testing Abraham. I think he's testing him in two ways. I think one um, is, this, is this role as his relationship, with his, his relationship with his son. I think God is saying, hey, I want to know, um, Abraham, of your relationships, mine and yours, versus anybody else, versus any other relationship that you have, what matters more to you? And I think that God chooses Isaac um, because his parental role to like Abraham and Isaac, this father-son bond they have is a really strong bond. And, and I think God says to Abraham, I want to test your faith. And I want to know your, your relationship to your son. Is that more important to you than your relationship with me? There's a second test I think is going to happen that I think is going on here, and I'll, I'll say that for a little bit later on. But in this moment, God is saying, I want you to take Abraham, or sorry, I want you to take Isaac, your son, your only son, whom you love. Like, it's definitely this, this trifecta. Like, God knows exactly what he's asking Abraham to do. And right there at the beginning, it says, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called to Abraham. Yes, he replied, here I am. That here I am, it's the Hebrew word, and it's hineni. Hineni is the word that, that really means here I am, but it's not a location kind of concept as much as it is. In relationship to me, I, let's, uh, in, where are you? Where, where do we stand? In our relationship, where do we stand? It's kind of like that define the relationship kind of conversation. Um, and, and in the Old Testament, prophets like Isaiah, for example, whenever God says, I want someone to go to my people and to preach to them. And Isaiah says, here I am, Lord, send me. It's that same Hanani, here I am, send me. Uh, and with this Hanani, it's this sense of where, where do we stand in relationship? But even more than that, it's this, it's this response of before you even ask the question, God, I want you to know that whatever it is, my answer is yes. I'm committed to you. My relationship with you is so strong that whatever you ask of me, my answer is yes. And that's what's going on here. God tested Abraham and said, Abraham, yes, Hanani, here I am. Whatever you say, I will do. Then God says, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and I want you to go to the land of Moriah and go to the mountain and sacrifice him there. And so Abraham has this, has this, uh, Hanani response of, yes, I will do this. And so very, uh, verse 3, the very next verse. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He sat on his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in a distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little further, and we will worship there, and then we will come right back. So we just ended with that Hanani response that Abraham says, Lord, whatever it is that you want me to do, the answer is yes. And that word is going to appear three times in our story. So that's the first time. Um, they start out the next morning. Abraham, he puts his, his words into action. And he, he sets out on foot to go on this journey. And he takes with him his son and two servants and a donkey. And they're, and they're making this, this journey. And it's a three-day journey for them. And on the third day, they're still not there yet. And so they're leaving from, they're leaving from Beersheba, where they're at there in Canaan. And they're going to the uh, Moriah area, which is Jerusalem area. And they reach, to, they reach scholars uh, and historians said they reached Bethlehem. And it's at this point right here, basically, where, where at a distance, you can see Jerusalem and Moriah in the distance. And uh, Abraham tells the two servants, hey, you guys stay here with the donkey, and my son and I are going to travel a little bit further down the road, and we're going to go worship God, and then we're going to come back to you. Um, if I'm Abraham and I'm now walking with my son, I'm thinking the conversation is one of two things. The conversation is either about the elephant in the room, or the conversation is everything but the elephant in the room. 
And I think what's going on here is it's everything but the elephant in the room. I think that as they're walking and they're, they're, they're nearing uh, Bethlehem area, I think Abraham's talking about the weather. I think he's saying, man, this desert is really hot today, isn't it? Um, the Dead Sea is really full today, right? Right, Isaac? Um, and they're talking sports. They're talking Tom Brady being traded to the Buccaneers and, and like all that's like, what in the world? And are we going to have sports this year? Who knows what's going to happen? Like they're talking about everything but the elephant in the room. And then, and then Isaac speaks up. And he interrupts the conversation and he says, hey, dad, and I'm going to go ahead and we're going to, we're, we'll, we'll read that here. I'm going to backtrack just a little bit. Verse five, stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there and then we'll come back to you. Verse six, so Abraham placed the wood of the, uh, for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, we have the fire and the wood. The boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? Verse 8, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. Um, it's interesting to me, uh, the, the, the NIV says that uh, Isaac spoke up. That, that speaking up has with it the context in Hebrew of almost an interruption. Um, and with that interruption, he then says, Dad, um, the elephant in the room, what's going on? And that's why I think that they were talking about everything but the elephant in the room. Um, but at that moment, whenever Isaac says, hey, Dad, and Abraham responds back with, yes, my son. Uh, that yes, my son, the, the New Living Translation and the NIV both have yes, my son. And I think it's appropriate because he is responding with a, you know, with a yes. But it's the second time that word Hanani appears. And it's that, it's that almost, if I, if I can, it's like, you know, it, uh, Isaac, I, I know what you're going to ask. I know that right now things seem bleak. And I know that things seem confusing. And I know that things don't make any sense. But I want you to know something. In our relationship... Where do we stand? I am right here by your side. I haven't gone anywhere. I am right here. No matter how dire the situation gets, I will not leave your side. Yes, my son. Hanani, Abraham replied. And then Isaac says, we have the fire in the wood, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? And then in verse 8, Abraham responds with, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Now, it's interesting to me, uh, all the scholars point out that, that Hebrew does not have um, punctuation or commas or uh, periods, exclamation points, that kind of stuff. It doesn't have any of that. It's just the Hebrew words written down on paper. And we, in our 21st century, we were the ones who added the periods and the commas and all that stuff. And so um, scholars will say that if you read the Hebrew, it, it's almost, it can almost be, be spoken as, as Abraham is speaking on God's behalf and saying that God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering himself, which is my son. And I think it's so poetic because I mentioned earlier that they're traveling from Beersheba to, to Jerusalem area, to Moriah area, and they're, they're traveling through Bethlehem area. And I think, it's, I think it's really cool. I think what's going on is God in heaven is looking at, at his son, Jesus, and he says, hey, Jesus, check this out. I know, I know, I know what they're going to say next. Watch, watch this. Um, Abraham's going to say that God himself will provide a lamb, which is my son. And that's what we're going to do. Like, we're going to save all of the world through you or those who put their faith in you. And what we're going to do is he says that he says, I'm going to provide the lamb. Let's just let's just pin that on the map. And when you're born, you're going to be born right there in Bethlehem. And I think it's just so beautiful. I think it's, I think it's so poetic that, that God would take what Abraham says and almost, almost allow Abraham to prophesy, if I can say that, and say that this is going to be where Jesus is born, that God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering himself, which is my son, Jesus. Verse 8, the very end there. Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. Verse 9, when they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. 
Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. And at that moment, the angel of the Lord called, on, called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. And here's the third time. Yes, Abraham replied, Hineni, here, here I am. God, if you want to know where I'm at, I am right here. You don't have to look far to find me. I have been by my son's side, and I have been by your side, and I have every step of the way been faithful as much as I can. God, here I am. And if you're going to intervene, now is the time to intervene. Verse 12, don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Again, that parental test. Then, verse 13, then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. This fulfills that whole, like, God would provide for, him, provide for himself a sheep, but it also foreshadows Jesus coming. Verse 14, Abraham named that place Yahweh Jireh, or Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Uh, this story is is a, is beautiful. This story is so um, it captures the heart of God and it captures the heart of Jesus so perfectly. Uh, I I mentioned at the beginning that Abraham was being tested as a father, but I think there's a second way he's being tested, and I think that one contextually is probably probably more accurate to understanding it uh, in, in the biblical worldview. Um, Abraham Abraham rightly so would love his son as any father should would, would love his son. But child sacrifice was not that uncommon. In fact, a lot of the, a lot of the religions around, his, around him, whether it was the Philistines or whether it was the Canaanites or whether it was the Egyptians there, um, just the south, uh, southwest of where they were at there in, in the Canaanite land, all these different religions had their different gods. Like, for example, the Philistines had Baal and the Canaanites had the uh, Asherah and the Philistines, or sorry, the Egyptians, they had this god, uh, Hapi or Happy, the name of their Nile River god. And they would often take virgins and and firstborn children into the Nile and sacrifice them there so that so that it would appease happy the god or happy it's h-a-p-i and, and it would appease that god and the, and the Nile river would never run dry and you've also got the sun god Ra that they would sacrifice their children to and culturally a god asking his people to sacrifice a child was not a foreign concept and so whenever God comes to him and says, I want to test you, and I want to see if you'll sacrifice your son, Abraham looks at this and says, oh, okay, contextually or culturally, I, I guess it makes sense. But the challenge here is that Isaac is not just a son, and not just his only son, and not just a son whom he loves, but Isaac is the son of a promise. And this is a 25-year promise in the making. Think of it like this. You've got some kids, and you say, hey, go clean up your bedrooms. And they come back to you and they say, Dad, I promise I'm going to clean up my bedrooms. And then 25 years later, they pick up their first toy. So far, up to 22, this is what's going on. God gave Abraham this promise that you're going to be the father of a great nation. And to be the father of a great nation, the first step is to have a son. And Isaac is that first step. Isaac is by no means the fulfillment of that promise, but Isaac is the first step in that promise. And it took 25 years for him to be born. And, and maybe just add 10, 15 years to that. So, he, you know, it's been to 40 years or so. It's been about 40 years. And, and Isaac is now being called upon by God to be sacrificed. Abraham is, is now called upon to sacrifice his son. And there's this, there's this, 
more so than just as a parent, but as, as someone who's been given a covenant with God. God is saying, do, do you cling to my, my covenant? Do you cling to my promise? Do you cling to, like, are you going to do whatever you can to protect the first step? Or do you trust me with all of the steps? Is my relationship with you more important? Is, is, is our relationship more important or is the covenant more important? Is the promise, is clinging to that promise more important than actually being obedient to me? Um, and I, I think it's crazy. I think that in our culture, we may not have Baal or Asherah or we may, we may not have the sun god Ra. We may not have that in our culture, but our culture sure has gods. Whether it's the god of entertainment that says, hey, just just veg out and, and, and watch you know, Netflix for 24 hours straight, just binge watch stuff or Hulu and Voodoo and on it goes and YouTube videos and, and the kind of entertainment, just, just, just give and give and give and, and relax and relax, relax and, and I'll satisfy you. Or what about the God of sex? You know, hey, it's, it's this great physical thing. Just go out and get as much of it as you can. And the more you get, the more satisfied you're going to feel. What about, what about the God of money? What about the God of greed or the God of, uh, of, of, working so hard that that basically says the more money you get the more you can hoard for yourself the more you can keep for yourself the happier you're going to be and the more you climb that corporate ladder the the happier you're going to be and how many people after they give and give and give and sacrifice and sacrifice and sacrifice are walking away from those gods burdened and empty and weak and tired and god is telling abraham i want you to know something abraham I am not like any other God. I am not like the gods of your culture. I am not like the God of Baal or the God of Astro or the God of Hopi or the God of entertainment or the God of sex. I am not like any other God that whenever you push into me and lean into me and, and pursue me, I will not leave you empty. I will not leave you dry. But you can cling to my promises and only just grasp at those things and, and, and be somewhat unfulfilled. For example, I'm just going to give us a couple of promises that we have in the New Testament with our Christian faith. We, we're promised in Acts chapter 16, verse 31, that if we believe in the name of Jesus Christ, then we will be saved. And then we're, we're, we're promised in Ephesians 1.13 that the Holy Spirit is a seal or a guarantee on our salvation. That when we put our faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes into us and, and the Holy Spirit is a seal, a guarantee over our lives. And in Philippians 1.6, we're told that, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete that task. And, and we're told that God is going to work on you. He's not finished working on you yet. That he's going to work on you. He's going to mold you and shape you. And there's these, prom these great promises. And I think probably one of the best examples of this is Galatians 5, 22 and 23, where we're told that, that when we have the Holy Spirit living in us, there's going to be fruit that is bore from the Holy Spirit. And that fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And I think that what God is saying is you can cling to love and work at doing it yourself. You can take the promised Isaac and do whatever you can to, to protect him. But if you just give it to me, I will be the God who provides. If you work at trying to provide for, for Isaac, and if you work at trying to make that, I mean, you already messed it up with Hagar and Ishmael. Like if, if you do whatever you can to, to preserve the promise, it's going to be futile, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to leave you empty. The other gods would have, like the gods of Baal, and they're, they're gods of rain and fertility, and, and there were still droughts. I mean, Earlier in the chapters in Abraham's story, he even goes to Egypt because there is famine and there's drought in the land. What good did those sacrifices do those other people? Like, they didn't do him any good. And God is saying, if you 
Focus on the promise. You're going to miss out on a relationship with me. If you cling to joy, if you, how many of us, we might say, okay, fruit of the Spirit is love, so I'm going to work at being a more loving person. And, and just because we, with our human efforts, try to work at being more loving, how many of us are successful with that? It's, it's a hard task on our own. Same thing with patience. How many of us say, I want to be more patient? I'm going to cling to that promise. God says I'm going to be patient, so therefore I'm going to work on being patient. I'll tell you what, that's a challenge. If I am doing this on my own, being a patient person does not come easy. But if I tell God, Hanani, your relationship matters more to me than anything else. I'm going to lean into you and I'm going to, I'm going, I'm going to be faithful to you. I'm going to, I'm going to um, pour into your relationship. I'm going to, I'm going to work at knowing you more. Man, how much, how much easier does love then come? And how much more easy is it for me to be a patient person? When I read the stories of Jesus and how he interacts with people, and I, and I say, I want to imitate that. And I, I'm working on my relationship with God. And I'm working on knowing him better and intimately having him impact my life. When I cling to him and that relationship that Jehovah Jireh is a God provides, if I cling to Jehovah Jireh and say, God, I trust you, then God's promises just overflow. And the fruit of the Spirit can come more naturally. It doesn't mean that, doesn't mean that we don't have to put effort into them, but it does mean that if, if we only did it on our own strength, we would come up shy. But if we rely on the strength of God and trust that He is Jehovah Jireh, that He has everything figured out, that He is the God who is in control, not you and not me, then when we lean into that relationship, then the promises come true. If it's, if it's left up to us, if it's left up to ourselves to make those promises happen, we're going to fail every single time. But if we trust God and we say, God, you are Jehovah Jireh, and on this mountain I build a sacrifice and I say that God will provide, not me, I don't provide for myself, God, you provide for me. When we say that, that is, that is, that is this story lived out. I want to wrap up with this thought right here. Uh, it's, it's verse 5. Um, this, this happens, they're on, the, they're on a three-day journey, and Abraham and Isaac with the two servants and the donkey are there. And Abraham tells the two servants and the donkey, this is what he says in verse 5. He says, stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. Um, I think Abraham knows, I think that Abraham's faith knows that if God truly is Jehovah Jireh, then the only proper response that we can have to that is to worship God. He didn't say, I'm going to go to this mountaintop and I'm going to make things work out. He, he goes to the mountaintop and he says, I'm going to give everything to God. I'm going to go and I'm going to worship Jehovah Jireh and my son and I are going to come back. When we trust that Jehovah Jireh is the ultimate provider and we trust that it's not, not based on our works, not based on our effort, not based on anything that we do, our own merit, but that we just trust in God and we, we, we focus on our relationship with him, the only proper response we have is that of worship. So my challenge for you is this week, I want you to be someone who worships God. Here in, a, here in a moment, we're going to wrap up with a prayer, or with a, we're going to wrap up with a worship song, and I want you guys to take this moment to, to just do what Abraham did with Isaac, and just go to the mountain of God and worship. This is the first time the word worship appears in Scripture, and I don't think it's any coincidence that it appears in the same story as Jehovah Jireh, when Jehovah Jireh, the name of God, gets its origin. That when we trust God is a God of provision, and we trust in that He is a God who provides, 
and we lean into that relationship and we work in the relationship, the only thing we can do to work in the relationship is worship God. And it's in worshiping God. It's in reading his stories. It's in memorizing a scripture or two. It's, it's um, taking time to say, God, I, I, I don't know if I'm able to memorize all of this, but I'm just going to take a couple of verses and start memorizing them and adding them to my heart and, and living them out. And we say, God, I... I can't make patience happen in my own life, and I can't make peace happen in my own life, and I can't make the Holy Spirit be a seal for my own life, for my salvation. I can't do that, but you can. I'm going to remain in you, and whenever I remain in you, then that fruit starts coming naturally. But if I try to make it happen, it's going to be hard. And so our response to God is worship. This week, I want you to take some time and worship God. And right now, as we sing this song, I want you to worship God in a, in a way that says, God, I trust that you are my provider. Father, thank you for this chance we have right now to be together and to, to listen to your word. And I pray, God, that, to, that we can pull out truth from your word and we can say, I need to be someone who is like Abraham and says, you are Jehovah Jireh. You are a God who provides. May we right now just worship you with that heart that says, you are what I pursue. You are Jehovah Jireh, and I trust in your provision for my life. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.